Welcome to Old Dog New Tricks. Everyone has heard this saying before, but today we're going to put that theory to the test. My co-host John is an old dog, and cryptocurrency is a new trick. The main focus of this podcast is to educate people such as yourself on crypto at the most basic level, and today we are talking about ourselves and the path that led us to cryptocurrency. So meet John. Thanks, Austin. Yes, so um, I'll be 69 in September, so I, I, I qualify. And my uh, short uh, history, uh, um, educationally, I have a business and law background, and uh, uh, professionally and work-wise, I uh, built a company that uh, developed ophthalmology practices and the ambulatory surgery centers associated with them, and I had the good fortune to start making a little bit more money than I was spending uh, fairly early on. Always a good thing. And uh, that was a good thing. And so I'm sure I evolved like uh, many of my peers who had some some good fortune and worked hard at it. Uh, over time, I uh, taught myself and had some assistance from, 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 from some formal education, too, to an, invest in, well, in the most conceptual sense, sort of invest in three buckets. Um, I invested in securities. Uh, I invested in... Uh, real estate, mostly commercial, some residential, and I uh, invested in some uh, fixed income. So I sort of had three pots. And um, the, as, the more you uh, have birthdays, the more you sort of start balancing out, growing your uh, wealth from, <laughs> right, from having a, a sustainable income over time Portfolio. and sort of seeking that balance. And so um, I quite by uh, happenstance met you, Austin, in January, here we sit in, in May, so only a few months has, have gone by, and I had uh, followed uh, yeah. crypto in a desultory, sporad sporadic manner at, at best, just looking here, looking there, I'd get a news brief or what, what have you, and then um, I met, yeah. we, we got together, and given our history, I fully expected you to be a chiropractor in good standing, and expected to have a conversation about your p patient care and, and all of the things that go along with a new chiropractic practice. And lo and yeah. behold, after our hellos, you said, well, no, I didn't do that. That's right. I did something else. I, I, I said, say what? Pivoted. <laughs> what happened here? At, in... so, yeah, what happened here? Yeah, what? What a what a perfect segue into kind of a little bit of background about me. So my name is Austin. I've been I'm a formally trained chiropractor. So I have a doctorate in uh, chiropractic. I've been practicing um, for a couple of years, and then I had gotten into crypto in 2016, and um, <clears throat> that was always been my like largest passion. I, I've always been a big numbers guy. I was uh, you know undergraduate. I was really into I was like heading down like actuarial science type major. So, you know, I've always been a big numbers dude and I've always been a big nerd in terms of like computers and games and stuff like that. So it kind of led me down this path of um, I can finally have a little bit of financial freedom and do the things that I really like to do with my family or my own, my own business. And in a sense, if you don't own your own practice, you don't really enjoy yourself. You know, you, you are kind of downtrodden as a chiropractor. You don't get a lot of money in that sense when you work for somebody else. And then all of my friends that had have 
had broken into chiropractic, had also kind of taken a dive and didn't, you know, not a lot of practice were crazy successful since, since COVID happened here. So, um, I kind of took over and led into, led, just got on the internet and <laughs> tried to find money a different way. Well, cool. Um, you know, as a, as a place to start, um, I have, um, for a long time had a, an interest in our, uh, our economic system, uh, both domestically and, and internationally and our monetary system. Absolutely. And, uh, um, max, matter of fact, one of my favorite, uh, books, which I'd, uh, commend because it kind of captures the essence of, of one critically important aspect of crypto is a book that was written by a fellow named Jacob Goldstein. And the title captures the essence of the book. And the title is Money, the True Story of a Made-Up Thing. <laughs> never, <laughs> and, never true words been said, right? <laughs> right. And so the idea is that a, a currency is a currency if enough people agree yeah, that it is. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that's it. And that's, that's setting aside uh, the... You know, the issue that we have at, at present and for a while now of a, a currency being used as other than a media, a median of exchange, you know, mm. as a political tool, tool as a, yeah, as a exactly. favor tool and use in politics and and the kind of difficulty that that can create. So at any rate, um, when I first had some exposure to uh, uh, Bitcoin and some of the other uh, crypto coins, not really knowing anything about them, the first thing that occurred to me is, well, enough people apparently have agreed that this is going this to is... be a, a currency. <laughs> this, this works, yeah. <laughs> uh, which uh, I found to be fascinating because um, on, the, on the front end, after, really literally after the conversation with you, Austin, on that uh, eventful uh, January afternoon, <laughs> I... Um, kind of I, you know I, I do like so many of us do now i'm googling and searching and trying to study up a little bit something beyond just what i had seen in the, in the in the news and um for the 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 most part my curiosity really wasn't completely satisfied and in some sense i just became more uh confused, confused. And so it yeah it's, it's yeah it's... All the lingo, all the difficulties that um, you have getting into the space is something that we on this podcast want to kind of address, right? So you coming in, you had a very difficult time finding good information. It's very difficult to research in this field. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I've been doing it for very long times and, and it's only gotten easier, um, actually. But for me, when I was first starting, there was literally like no information around. So um, that's kind of my goal here is to get... <clears throat> Just the easiest and most simple things covered, um, and I think that we can definitely address that with uh, with with this podcast here. Well, great. So um, I'll share with you my sort of um, train of thought Absolutely. from that January afternoon on, and how my thinking developed and understanding developed with respect to, to crypto. And you should perhaps just stop me at any point and develop something that I've, I've said or, or perhaps clarify it or make it accurate. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, 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 some of the, what I say may not have legs, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but uh, when I first looked at the idea of, of cryptocurrency 
and studied Bitcoin a little bit, I thought, okay, so instead of mm, seashells or yeah. valuable rocks, we yeah. have unique mathematical operations yeah. of, of some sort that we're calling currency. For sure. Um, and one aspect of the development and design of these unique mathematical operations that we're calling coins is that by design, they are anti-inflationary, mm -hmm. which was uh, extremely attractive to me because as we you know, sit here today, that's one of the big problems that we're having with uh, government currency Absolutely. And, its, and its abuse. So that was kind of my, uh, my inchoate understanding of what um, crypto was or, or might be. Okay, so some, somebody out there with sophisticated computers is carrying out and developing unique not even that just any any computer you know at, to a sense can just start doing it right so um they at a sense they don't have to be sophisticated it really could be you know uh, at the very beginning people were using like a like an old laptop you know it, it's it's over time it's become more and more difficult because more people are interested in it but at the very base layer when it's first started it was just do you have a laptop cool try to participate and you if you think this is money then you're able to create it through your computer's processing power right so i like how you use the whole idea of shells or you know what what we you know over time our ideas of money have changed we went to a barter system and you know very old times and once we originated that original first like printed currency it was able to pretty much explode how much commerce was able to happen right the, the the movement of money was able to kind of take shape. Um, and now you fast forward, you know, years and years later. And again, it's it's something that we've just given belief to, like you said. Um, but here is something where instead of having only two decimal spots, so we go down to one cent in most currencies, we can now just go down as many spots as you want, up to like 18 decimal spots. So um that's that's the real power of currency when you when you talk about it's something being um deflationary you know everyone and their mother knows that what inflation is now because gas is up every, you know anything that you buy is 20 percent higher than it was two years ago so um we kind of feel that effect but when we don't really know what deflationary really means because uh, we've never really had a deflationary currency ever Right. So this is the first time that we've able to uh, create something of our, our technological advancement has led us to be able to create something that is able to be broken down so many more spots than our current system. Right. Um, and I think that is kind of the the beauty of it. Right. And uh, the new term that I used associated with this um anti-inflationary idea with regard to, to Bitcoin uh, specifically, maybe you could comment on it, Austin, was the idea of having H-A-L-V-I-N-G mm -hmm. at certain distinct periods of, of time to, to um, regulate the supply of that coin. 
for sure. Um, which, which is different than the the government currency, which, where rather than having <laughs> Have, it, double. We've, got, we've got multipliers, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and that make no sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, uh, looks like we're getting a little low. Let's just yeah. fire up the machines here, start it's, printing some money. How many dollars can we make chasing these few goods? Let's yeah. see before let's, it goes boom. <laughs> yeah. Let's just test this theory out get this fire started but um no yeah so a halvening event let's just go back to like the very very basic and what is a cryptocurrency we've kind of been talking about it a little bit already but cryptocurrency was invented with bitcoin um there's multiple different cryptocurrencies all of them have their own i guess like use case or you know they're trying to compete with another uh, cryptocurrency right so at the very base level it's a system of math that allows to prove that you own a certain amount or certain number of coins. So anyone can see how much is produced and those wallets are all what they call pseudo anonymous, meaning that they're a, it's a string of numbers that um, ties to your account, right? So you can name your account whatever you want. It can be account one or what account two, but at the base level, just how you don't know your current, you know, banking system, like you have your checking account, you have your savings account. Those are all um, now just random strings of numbers, right? So um, <clears throat> at the very base level here, um, it's that mathematical being able to send money to anyone in the world through the pretty much like how email was changed, right? So we used to send paper, uh, we used to send physical mail, and then email came about and we're able to transfer anything in the globe within, you know, seconds. And now this is what's happening with money. Like how, when was the last time you sent money? Like how, how hard was it for you to get money into this system? <laughs> how many, well, how many weeks did it take for you yes. to, people to accept your money here? That was quite a, a, a surprise, um, and that opens up the topic of the different platforms available for trading cryptocurrency and, and their level of, of sophistication at, uh, at, the, at the present time. There, for, for me, there was uh, one step before um, the getting to the platforms that I wanted to bring up because I know you'd have a lot of of thoughts about it and it was a it was a big one for me before i even got to the first platform yeah. to get some government dollars into an account to then buy some crypto and that is that and i think all of my generation are going to um it takes a little bit to figure this out you're a little perplexed on the front end and that is when i heard uh, when i learned about bitcoin and other coins i all i thought that all of them were uh, solely mediums of exchange. Mm -hmm. So Bitcoin had these competitors that were the same as Bitcoin. They just didn't have as much traction out there and therefore their value would be lower and they were just mediums of exchange. But of course, that's not the case because sure. if we compare Bitcoin and Ethereum, yeah. um, and this was Apples and really- oranges. Right, a, a big discovery for me, if you will. Um, Ethereum is a the 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 we we call it a coin also. So I would think Bitcoin, 
Yep. Ethereum's another coin, so it's a store of value also. Well, that's not the case because Ethereum also uh, is the coin that you use for um, working on the, uh, the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then I, th I started to see that, well, okay, so you have a coin like Bitcoin, and let's analogize it to, to gold. It's a storehouse of value, but that's all it does. Yeah. As One function from... that does well. It stores value and it transfers easily. Boom. End of story. Right. And then we have Ethereum, which is one of the is the major blockchain at this point in time. So it's both a store of value and we and we still call it a coin. There's a ETH, you know, yeah. coin. But it does other things as well. And then we have other coins, you know, Avalanche, Polkadot, that do a de yet other specific things, but they do it on the Ethereum blockchain. So it gets, from an investor's standpoint, it gets kind of complicated. It's very, very blurry quick. very quickly unless what a, you don't, yeah. <laughs> so so maybe, we'll, maybe you we'll, could help clarify some absolutely. of that. Absolutely. So yeah, so like you said, Bitcoin is a perfect store of value. The whole purpose of it is to um, lock up your money um, and then it's able to, over time, it should increase due to um, factors of um, de deflation, right? So that's the only purpose of it's for and that's kind of like what its current use case is. Um, and then with Ethereum, it is more of, I, I picture it as more of a oil, in like a traditional finance sense, right? So Ethereum is made and to be, it's almost made to be spent because you have blockchain space that wants to be filled with data. And that is based on however many people want to put a transaction in at one time, right? So I want to send you $5, you want to send somebody else $20, um, and we all agree that we're going to be sending it in this next block. All right. So the block, how a, a blockchain, we can go back a little bit farther here. What a blockchain is, is just storage of data. And the next block writes a pretty much like a histograph of the previous data. So every new block on this entire system has a little bit of a breadcrumb of the previous one so that you can all be proven. And that's just like why it holds its value to it. It's, it isn't, hasn't been hacked um, in the sense that there has never been a double spend transaction. So if you think about what a double spend, if you don't know what that is, it is a transaction similar to like if you went to your bank um, and you put two spent, like you, try, you, you double charge your account. You know when they tell you not to reload the page when you're buying something on the internet? That's because they don't want two possible transactions going through. Um, and then you could possibly overdraft your account, stuff like that. These things are not possible on any blockchain because it always – the next transaction always references your previous transaction to see if you actually had any money. There's never a way to go below your account limit and then be charged fees, right? So um, – the the goal here with all blockchains is and the way that all blockchains function is to fill each block with as much data as they possibly can and that's where the price kind of 
takes off or or how the price kind of affects it, right? So currently, <clears throat> let's say we're on Ethereum. The current price is $2,800, right? Um, there recently was a, um, a project that came out where every single person, you know, we had over, I think it was like 100,000 people wanted to um, create something on the blockchain and the gas fees were pretty much like $8,000 per block, which seems insane. Like anyone listening to this podcast is like, why would I spend $8,000 for a transaction to go through, right? And that is where the value comes in is because the these people were able to spend $8,000 on gas, but in doing that, they were able to create something that was worth more towards the the, the amount of like $80,000. Like it was worth them to, to get this done because it made them a lot of money. So that's how the function of it, the blockchain kind of increases in value due to the demand of that data space. Does that make sense here? Does. That's crazy. Okay, so yes. um, going back a little bit farther. So we have the Bitcoin. It's a store value. It's, its value is driven from people not being able to spend it twice. And that's over 10, you know, over since 2010, it's been doing that and hasn't had a double spend. So every year that passes, its value becomes greater because it hasn't been hacked and it's technically the amount um, of freely available or the supply freely available is going down. So that is kind of like how it functions. And that's what you mentioned, the word um, halvening. And um, we'll come back to that one later because it's a little bit more difficult. But the next thing is we have Ethereum that kind of built off of um, Bitcoin, right? So Ethereum is like the next little evolution in the blockchain um, technology, right? So Bitcoin was only able to store value. The next one was able to store value and it was also able to create what they call smart contracts, all right? So every aspect of business currently today is some sort of contract, right? We have a verbal agreement with some, that's a contract, or we have a written contract, like a, a formal contract through law. Um, you know, these are the things that need to be happened. You know, we have uh, articles in corporation, anything like that. <clears throat> All of these things are contracts. And what they refer to a smart contract is, is a bit of code that allows someone to act in a what they refer to as a trustless manner, okay? So a trustless manner means I don't know you, right? And I want to send you money. There's ways to do that in the traditional market, right? We have an intermediary called a bank. I initiate a transfer of 10 grand to you. I don't really trust you, right? You know, I, if, you're gonna, if I just gave you 10 grand, are you going to give me back what I was promised, right? That's not something that's guaranteed because hey, humans, you know, technically aren't the best trustworthy individuals all the time. So there is someone who is in the middle. We And that is what is currently a bank. So they take fees, they take manpower, and they take time to connect my bank with your bank and agree to send this 10 grand and then you send whatever you were supposed to send, right? And that's kind of like a holding situation where w when the both parties receive these items, everything's good, everything's agreed upon, and then the money and, and everything exchanges, okay? So 
uh, now we're upgrading this into blockchain and there is first of all it's pretty much instantaneous like i can send you money within 45 seconds but if we want to still have that i still have to trust you right i don't i don't if i just sent you money how do i know i'm going to get that item in return so a smart contract is kind of developed and a smart contract is almost like a safety deposit box right so i'm going to put $10,000 in the safety deposit box that you also can access, right? And then when I receive the item that I was supposed to get from you, then we both sign a transaction into our security deposit box that agrees to give you the money that you were owed. So that is kind of like what has happened and what the evolution of Bitcoin to Ethereum was, where they were able to create all of these pretty much like safety deposit boxes where people can then pool money and use for anything like lending we can borrow we can we can trade we can and all of these things are done in a pretty much like a, a trustless manner like i don't have to know who you are to even you know function at all like we're all just a big pool pile of money if that makes sense so the that little bit of in development on the blockchain side has led to many other chains and you kind of talked about a lot of them uh, just a minute ago we had Polkadot, we have cardano we have bnb we have solana you know every single thing is now trying to recreate what ethereum kind of brought to the table and make it their own way so um again i you know you, you it's a it's a very wide scope there's thousands and thousands of these different cryptocurrencies and um, the best way to understand them is by starting at the very basic, right? So what are these things and how they function? So that's our, our goal here. So um, thoughts on on uh, the explanation there? I think it's a, well, it's a, a great and, and useful explanation. And I was, I was listening to it and uh, what ran through my mind is for the, um, for your audience that, are sort of in the 50 plus yeah. age group what we start to think about is uh, balancing from the standpoint of of uh, wealth development and investment strategies and i'm speaking in in generalities in general terms we start to think about sort of a balance between making investments uh, in hopes of future uh, price Return. appreciation mm. and making investments that produce income yes. now or in the near future, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so when I started to think about those needs in as they might apply to the crypto uh, world, sphere. Yeah. sphere, yeah, I thought so, and I learned a, a little bit that you could perhaps clarify, and that is that with regard to, you have to look at Bitcoin and, and coins like Bitcoin that are strictly storehouses of value differently from Ethereum and others like it, Avalanche, Polkadot, which all do other work on yeah. that blockchain, those coins, and this is the, where the vocabulary gets confusing, those coins do other work. And 
Um, so with regard to Bitcoin, if I'm a Bitcoin investor, mm -hmm. I'm thinking mostly about price appreciation in the future. And yeah. hopefully this digression won't be too, too complicated, but I can also wrap it and lend it to yeah. get income from it. For sure. And that's different from Ethereum. Yeah, we're, where... we'll, let's stop right there for just a second and kind of go over what a, like the ter these terms are wrapping. Okay. It. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So um, again, all of these blockchains at their base level are run on the same pretty much software. Like Bitcoin developed it, Ethereum kind of built on top of it, and then everything else kind of built on Ethereum or, you know, there's not really much true um, radical innovation at this level. Like the, the very base level is a little bit of progress here, 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 right? So what um, he's referring to as wrapping something is when you wrap something, you, you're taking the token native to the blockchain that it's on, right? So you're taking a Bitcoin and then you're putting it on a different blockchain, like something like Ethereum, and that wraps the token, right? So the only way to utilize smart contracts with Bitcoin is to put them on a different chain or on the Ethereum chain. So they call it wrapped Bitcoin. And that's pretty taking pretty much taking that, that, Bitcoin that's sitting there not able to make money, you're putting it in a safety deposit box that allows you to earn interest on it or lend it to somebody else. It's a great explanation, Austin. And that would be different from if I, as an investor, have invested in Ethereum and other competing blockchains, then I may have the opportunity to do what's called staking the Ethereum yep. coin to generate income and, and, and in some sense it's a it's a crude equivalent of of what of earnings with securities yeah with securities we have appreciation of the stock price and we have earnings yeah um, dividends right um, yeah I feel like that that whole portion is something that's really key and that's one of the reasons that um, you know me personally, I love the idea of Bitcoin and what it represents. It represents like that kind of like change of the old guard um, into the new guard, into like a more tech technology driven society. And we've already, you know, we've already had this kind of revolution for data, meaning, you know, we had all, we, everything was used to be stored in paper. Everything was on paper, everything, you know, file cabinets after file cabinets of things. And we were able to create a computer that was able to store all these things for us, right? I mean, you saw the, you've been around for the entire pretty much like tech revolution uh, and you've seen firsthand how much faster everything is happening, right? So I, ha I have, I, for a, a one minute digression, I could just tell you how <laughs> much I've been around for that. So when I was in college, um, at the University of South Florida in, in Tampa, in my computer class, we had card packs, card packs to run programs. Oh, yeah. Like and a I, driver. Yeah. And I had a card. No, it's literally a stack of paper cards that you would oh, okay. feed into. Yeah. And they had to be in a very specific order to run the program. Ah. Well, wouldn't you know, I had the card packs in my backpack 
And on a particularly windy day, I had taken the backpack off. And wouldn't you know that by, you know, an hour before I have my assigned computer time to run my program, and that's what we had to do. We had to sign up for a time to get to the computer, right? My cards (laughs) are screwed My cards have blown literally all over the campus. And I'm running around trying to collect them and putting them back in order to go run my program. So that's... Um, pre floppiness, you know, like, so they I, I like you had to just feed it papers into yeah. to like make each step of the program th- th- happen. Th- think of a card with printed little holes in it, yeah, and it's like braille or something like that. Yeah, and you have like you know 200 cards that compose a program, and you put it on the machine, and it takes the cards and runs the program. Yeah, so and we're a little bit more advanced <laughs> since <Yeah>. then, <laughs> just a, a tad, bit. just a little yeah. tad. But yeah, so yeah, great little story. I I love that uh, we we'll, we follow those throughout this podcast. We like to keep it fresh here. But I would say the um you know the the whole thing happened. You know, we've seen this tech revolution happen with data, right? So yeah. you know we went from feeding two hundred pieces of little pieces of paper into a thing uh, to a computer, and now we can just click a button that functions and runs the entire program that was saved on your computer to begin with. So now we've seen that. Now, now we have currently we have paper money and everything is, uh, you know, more and more we're going towards that already where there isn't a we don't use paper money as much as we used to anyways. Like I would say 80 percent of transactions or even more are, are now digital anyways. It's just they're with a <clears throat> it's practically just a your bank's Excel spreadsheet saying, uh, yeah, you got this much money. You got this much money. Um, and there, you know, there's possible errors and stuff like that. So. Now we've taken the paper money and made it into a system that can just is just a ledger book for anyone that wants to participate. Um, this is like a giant version of QuickBooks that world can use. So um, uh, that's the next little change, and I and I like to you know there's going to be a ton of new developments over the course of the next ten years. Just how we saw with you know the first computers were you know <laughs> giant. How big were they? The entire room. <laughs> well, the computer that you have in your phone is, you know, a, a probably a, a thousand times more sophisticated than that uh, computer. And, you know, that a, used to a feed 5, papers 000, into. <laughs> well, that one in a 5,000 square foot space generating yeah. a lot of heat. <laughs> yeah. And I would yeah. say, like, even just like an Apple Watch is, you know, a thousand times more than uh, than your current active computer that was back For in sure. the day. So, so we do see, you know, and it is something that takes a very long time to kind of happen, right? We this is not going to happen overnight. These are all things that, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time. I try to get as many people into it as as I possibly can, just just based on the technology and not the not even the price speculation. I'm just like, hey man, just check out how fast I can actually send you money and that it goes into your actual account. That's, that's my biggest thing. It's, I always like doing that um, uh, for people. But um, the other thing that I see here is, you know, it's going to take a long time, even just how we're talking about. If you've never heard anything about cryptocurrency, this is your first time learning or hearing about anything about cryptocurrency, I guarantee you me trying to break it down at <laughs> the smallest level I can is still like, what the hell is this guy even talking about, right? So I'm sure there has been a lot of times where I, over the past couple of months that you felt that way where, yeah, this guy's just rambling about 
something. Ahead. Well, you, you know, but my, what I've done is I've hung on to this, the, the, the new words that you've used and then, you know, Googled around to try to get them defined yeah. for me. Like, you know, we, we shouldn't get into it now, but staking, for example, yeah. is a little bit complicated to explain, but it's actually a way of generating income from from the crypto coins that are not strictly a storehouse of value like, yeah. like Bitcoin. Um, and so for an, an investor thinking about crypto investments for the long term, you're both looking at price appreciation and and earning. passive. Right. Which passive is, earnings, which is, which is massive, which is something right. we don't really have in traditional finance as well either. There's, you know, the the amount of I like to look them at them as like Lego blocks. Right. So mm-hmm. um, with Legos, you know, you have a big pool of Legos. You want to build a tower. Right. Um, with traditional finance, you can only build just like you can keep stacking on top of each other. There isn't very much uh, room for like movement throughout the space, right? So, um, you you go to your bank, it's one block, and then you put your money in a savings clock. That's two blocks of a Legos, like they're stacked on top of each other. With mm-hmm. with the with cryptocurrency, I'm able to. Um, have my money in my what they refer to as a wallet all right so that's what everyone on the internet calls their their like new bank account is referred to as their wallet crypto wallet there's a lot of programs um and if you're looking into kind of following along with this space uh, or this podcast and kind of learning from it i'd recommend everyone getting a some sort of what they call a hardware wallet if you google that term um there's a couple of different companies trezor ledger um, are the top two, and I think I would recommend getting those. But um, so when you get this wallet, you're able to now take your money and put it in one Lego block here, right? So we start with this protocol, and then that's just pretty much storing your money where you're now able to put another block on here that um, is able to lend that money. And then you're able to put another one on top that's able to, um, you know, use it for collateral and something else. So there's, you can, you can take this the money that you have and you and utilize it over multiple different avenues here, which is something that was never able to happen before. Um, and um, I I really think that that is once that difficultness or you know the the whole the whole problem here is what I just said sounds crazy. It's very hard to get somebody to kind of understand it. So. It's it's it takes time to build that UI where it's it's literally just like a one click button. You know, we're we're about five to ten years away from that. You know, you don't even have to know what you're doing or how you're using. You know, just just like currently, like do you know how your bank functions? Like, do you know when you put money in where that money actually is or where you know anything actually functions? Like, how when you send money, what actually happens? You don't. We don't really know any of that underworking. Um, but when you are first starting out in any technology, um, it, you kind of like have to know how those things function at the base level, right? So uh, because there is no person kind of doing it for you, which I feel like will happen in the future. There will be some sort of like middleman that, you know, helps you do your transactions and just how there is with currently with the banking system. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of... Um, nuances here that are able that have never been explored um so we're gonna go through 
And that's our goal of the podcast. We're going to have a pick one topic once a week and try to explain it to the best of our abilities um, and hope that um, people can kind of take a little bit of information, build upon it, and then come back for the next one. All right. That's so. great, Austin. And you've taken us to a, a, a great place at this point because you mentioned the hard wallets. And that, that is uh, particularly for the 50-plus group is an yeah. important topic of discussion. Absolutely. Um, something that we should perhaps uh, maybe talk about next time. Yeah, for sure. So if you are listening in for the first time on this podcast, your homework is look up Trezor. T-R-E-Z-O-R or Ledger, L-E-D-G-E-R, Ledger wallets. These are storage devices. These are the safety deposit boxes that I've been referring to this entire time. Almost just how like a key for your safety deposit box. It's a it's an additional safety measure that is much needed in this space because there's a, it's this space. If anything, a current iteration is rampant with hacks and people losing their money because they were not educated that is your homework for this episode research hardware wallets and find the best option for yourself so thank you everyone for listening to old dog new tricks and hopefully we can teach you a trick or two have a great one